This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. We left off yesterday, we were discussing some of the pedigree of the, of the Esraigim. So just to talk a little bit more about some of the controversy behind the pedigree of the Esrig, we mentioned that the, the Esrig that was very popular in Eastern Europe for most of the 19th century and the 20th century was the Yanova Esrig. We mentioned the Yanova Esrig is very, very, uh, very muhudr and assumed to be very, very miyuchas, the Yanova Esrig. Now the truth is the Yanova Esrig is a little bit of a misnomer because the Esrig is not grown in Yanova. Yanova is a town in Italy, but it's not where it's grown. It's where it's shipped. It's shipped from Yanova, shipped to Yanova. The real place where it's grown is in a city or a town called Calabria. So in some of the literature, when you'll see them talking about a Esrig called the Calabria, it's the same, it's the same one. It's the same Esrig. Calabria or the, or the, or the, uh, or the Yanova is the same type of Lulav, the same type of Esrig. It's the Muhuddik Esrig that came from Italy. And they liked. Over that time in history, they liked very much getting the lulav from Italy. And one of the pshatim they say is because we know that some of the beauty, beautiful things are supposed to come from Yavon. So that's why they wanted to get it from Italy. They thought that was the version, not Greeks, maybe Yavon, maybe Italy. Now, that, the Shulchan Aruch HaRav, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, had an unbelievable chiddush. An unbelievable chiddush. He told people that the Yanava Esrig is so muhudr, that when Moshe Rabbeinu told the Jewish people, the Pasuk and Parshish Emmer, that he's supposed to take a pre-Eitz Hadar, Moshe Rabbeinu sent the messenger to go to Yanava and bring back a Yanava Esrik. Now that's an unbelievable Chiddush. That means in the time of the Midbar there was Yanava. They had Italy around in the times of the Midbar. And Moshe Rabbeinu sent the messenger to Italy to bring back Yanava Esrik. It's an unbelievable statement from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. But that's what he says. He says it over and over. He, they say it came from the Baal Shem Tov. I don't know. But this is a well-known statement. That Moshe Rabbeinu told someone, he sent, he sent the cloud to go bring back a Yanava Esrik. The, what? It's written in many places. It's, in the, it's quoted in quite a few places. Now, the problem with this is, and this is a bigger discussion, which I don't want to get into this evening, was, did they take the Dalaminim in the Midbar? Is that such a given that they took the Dalaminim in the Midbar? This is a big discussion amongst Paiskim. The Tzitz Eliezer has a whole truth about this, and the Chelek Zayin, some Laman Did they take the Dalaminim in the Midbar? Because the obvious question was, we're in a desert, and you're going to get Dalaminim. So there's a whole discussion whether or not they actually took the Dalaminim based on the Ramah Memorial but according to the Shulchan Aruch HaRav, no, Avada, they sent and they got, that's where they got the first Esrig in history. In any case, that's, uh, it's hard to imagine that, that was the situation, but that's what they say. Many assume that they didn't take Dalaminim in the Midbar. They didn't take Dalaminim until they went into Eretz Yisrael, based on the Ramah Memorial which believe maybe we'll talk about sometime over Sukkot. But I want to talk about a different controversy. In, the, in Eastern Europe, they couldn't grow Esrigim in Eastern Europe. The climate, obviously, is not very feasible for Esraigim. So I mentioned, so where did they get the Esraigim from? They got a lot of the Esraigim were from Italy, like we mentioned earlier. Towards the early 1800s, there was a little bit of issue getting them from Italy. So they decided to get them from an island off of Greece. If anyone's ever traveled to Greece, Mocha, the, the island called, Cor- called Corfu. Corfu. Corfu is an island off of Greece. So they started to get the Esraigim from there. And the Esraigim were beautiful. Fantastic, gorgeous, gorgeous Esraigim. So whenever you see something that's too good to believe, you have to doubt. Maybe you can't believe it. So that's why there was a lot of controversy that the Karfu Esraigim were Murkov. 
that the Karfer Swagim Vaita mixed breed, and that's why they're not kosher. So this was a big tumult around the 1800s, early 1800s. Some say they really started coming into Eastern Europe in the end of the 1700s, but the beginning of the 1800s was when it really got very popular. They stopped using the Yanava, and they started using the Karfer Swagim. So that became a big discussion, whether or not the Karfer Swagim are kosher or not. So the Redzina Rebbe, remember the Redzina Rebbe with his Tchelas. So when he was researching Tchelas, he was researching Esraigim also. So in his research for Tchelas, which we now know was not such good research, he also researched the Karfu Esraig, and he said the Karfu Esraig is kosher. So he was mounted the Karfu Esraig, and quite a few G'daylem, the Neidib Yehuda mounted it, the Eishel Avram from Bechach, quite a few G'daylem were mounted the Karfu Esraigim, as well as the Ephraim Zamar Makolis, he was mounted the Karfu Esraigim, but many others were very adamantly against the Karfu Esraig, they thought it was very much more and it was unacceptable to be used. Ephraim Velozhina, held you can use a car for Fesarik. And his Talmidim, the uh, Mishkan Ziyanka, Yaakov Karliner, the Nachlos David, all his Talmidim followed suit and they all used the car for Fesarik. So for a long time, the car for Fesarik was very popular. Rabbi Yisrael Khanan, who was the Paisik Adar at that time, he had an issue with the car for Fesarik, not so much the Kashrus, but he was worried about pricing, as we have today. He was afraid if we're going to start importing from Greece, it could affect the prices. And he wanted to make sure the prices don't go out of, out, of, out of hand or out of control, where the pricing goes through the roof just to get at Sregim. So that was a very, very big tumult about the Carrefour Westwick. Now you'll ask me, can you get the Carrefour Westwick today? The answer is no. It went out of style already in, in 1960. It was already hard to get. There were still people shipping some of them already uh, as, as late as 1960, but to my knowledge, I don't think you can find the Carrefour Westwick today. If you can look for one, you can, it's supposedly beautiful, supposedly look gorgeous, the Karfu Esraigim, but uh, it's very controversial whether or not they're acceptable today, so it's going to be hard to find one. But this opened up a bigger conversation. In the beginning, towards the middle 1800s, was maybe we should only buy Esraigim from Eretz Yisrael. You have to remember, in the 1700s, there wasn't much in Eretz Yisrael to buy from. Ready? As history kept on moving, so then already Eretz Yisrael is developing more, the agriculture was stronger. Maybe there was a push that we should start buying Eretz Yisrael product to, to support Achenu B'nai Yisrael. The problem with buying Eretz Yisrael is what's the downside of buying from Eretz Yisrael? Shemitah. You have Shemitah. So the problem, you go to Italy, you don't have to worry about Shemitah. You go to Eretz Yisrael, you got Shemitah problems. So Rav Cook was a very big proponent of buying Eretz Yisrael. So he, someone sent him a letter that a certain rov was matir, certain Desroigim from Italy. He said, forget Italy, go buy Eretz Yisrael. Buy from us, buy from Achenu B'nai Yisrael. So many G'daylim over as, as the agriculture and Eretz Yisrael improved, many G'daylim were pushing to buy, to buy Eretz Yisrael. But that was the big tumult back then about where exactly to buy from, because they already stopped getting Yanava. Today you can get Yanava, but Karfu, to my knowledge, I don't believe you can get Karfu anymore. But that was a big hot topic in the 19th century, whether or not to get a, whether or not a Karfu Esrik was more It was really split amongst the G'daylim of Eastern Europe. Mamish split. Half of them said yeah, half of them said no. It was a big, big hot topic of debate at that time. Another interesting thing about the Dalaminim is when the Yidin were living, when the, when the refugees came to Shanghai in the early 1940s. Now, what a lot of people don't realize was there was a firm community in Shanghai before the Mir Yeshiva got there. There was a Sephardic strong community. There was a Choshev Rav there, Rav Meir Ashkenazi. It was a Choshev, a big Talmud Chacham. He was a Rav in Shanghai. There was a Jewish community before there. When the Jews, when the refugees came there in the early 1940s, there was already a shul there. That's where they all went to learn. The Meir Yeshiva learned in a big, huge shul that was already built before they came. There was an infrastructure of a Jewish community in Shanghai. The problem is, where are you going to get an Esraigim in Shanghai? You can get a Lulav easily in Shanghai. Dasim Aravas, but an Esrik. So what did they do when, they, when the refugees first came over from predominantly the Meir Yeshiva, but from other Yeshivas as well? How did they get an Esrik when they first came there? So interestingly enough, there was a Sephardic Yid who came from India, his name was Chacham Avraham. He actually brought with him the seeds 
from India. Now we know, we spoke about this when we, talk, when we talked about eating turkey, there's a big discussion about what the Masaira is like from India. How much credence do we give to India? Were they Tamid Khamim in India? Were they not Tamid? But they gave a lot of credence to this tree. This Esri tree was Muhudr, was not Murka from this Chacham. Chacham Avraham, he came from, uh, he came from India, he planted his tree, and that's where the Jews in Sheikh had a Sreigim. So that was fine and dandy. All the Jews got their Sreigim. What, what? Because of you know, this guy lived here a while ago. This is before 1940. Okay. This fellow, again, there were Yidin living in Shanghai before the refugees came from Europe. The yeah, there was a strong, there was families from quite a few places. There was a strong Sephardic community already living in Shanghai before they came. So they already had this old tree that they used to use. The problem was, in, 1949, in 1941, what happened in 1941, December 7th? We all know. Pearl Harbor. What happened to Pearl Harbor? So Japan went against uh, America and all its allies. Who was included in that? Was anyone that was in, connected to England? India was under control of, of, of England. So this Chacham Avraham was considered English. He was considered English. He was an enemy of, of Japan. So they arrested him. They arrested him, and you couldn't get access to his front yard. They took over his house. They took over his house, and you couldn't get the Esregim anymore. So for the first year, what they did was they hired someone to jump over the fence and bring the Esregim over. But then at some point, the tree got destroyed. So the Imamish couldn't get any Esregim. So they started to research, are there perhaps some kosher Esregim in China? So they came up with what's called the Chinese Esregim. You can look, you read this, there's, there's literature about what's called the Chinese Esregim. That's what they found, the Chinese Esregim. It was in China, Shanghai, China. So they came up with the Chinese Esregim. So they brought the Chinese Esregim to the, some of the big Rabbonim who were in Shanghai. One of them I mentioned to you was the mayor Ashkenazi. He was a big Chosh of the Paisik. He got his state in Shanghai even after the mirrors all went to America. Israel. He stayed till Kamat. There were no Jews left. I think he left close to 1950. He finally left Shanghai. He was a big time Chacham. Learned in the, the regular Litvisha Yeshivas. But he was a rub there in Shanghai. You have to remember, Shanghai is not so far off from Russia. There were a lot of Russian refugees that came, that lived in, in that part of the world as well. But in any case, him and the Amshinovah Rebbe, the Amshinovah Rebbe was also there. They both Paskin, it's not kosher. They Paskin, you can't use it. It's Morkov, it's not kosher. So there were some Yidin that took it during those years. What they did was they took it and they shook it without a bracha and they said, Zecher, the Lulav Esrik. Zecher, because we don't want to forget who knew how long the war, the war was going to last, who knew if they ever get an Esrik again, who knew. So they decided they're going to shake it just as a Zecher. And we should remember there was once a time there was such a mitzvah from Lulav and Esrig and Bimeheira one day will be able to shake it. So uh, that's what they did in those years until they were able to get regular uh, Esregim. So throughout history there are different times where the different issues came up about the Esregim. As I mentioned yesterday, today Baruch Hashem, you walk down Main Street, there's, there's hundreds of Esregim. It's unbelievable. You have your choice of picking and most of them are not bad. Most of them are pretty, most of them are kosher and mahudr. Half the ones that are on the street over here. Again, I, I, I don't know about the pedigree. They were just looking at them, they look pretty good. I just don't know where they come from. Assuming they're not, you know, problem al-stayichos. But throughout history, there are times where the Jewish people struggled to be able to get a sreigim. There are times where there was no sreigim. Moshe Feinstein writes in a tshuva that uh, back in his days in Europe, there was uh, one sreigim for the Gansa, the whole kehillah. That was it. We spoke about it a little bit on Charles Shudas. So uh, that was a little bit of some of the interesting tumbles that Klai Yisrael went through throughout the different kufas with a sreigim. But Baruch Hashem, today, you can have your choice of sreigim. You can get five sreigim, ten sreigim, buy as many as you want. And you have all your choice of the crop and pick whichever one you want to be yoytze the mitzvah.